Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome this morning. We are in part five of a series that we're simply calling Be the Church. And in the midst of this series, the purpose of this series is to take us beyond just attending. How many of you know it's easy just to attend church? It's easy just to, to come in, to slip in, to, to have a seat, to do the church thing and go out the back door after church or sneak out a couple minutes early, you know, when every head's bowed and every eye's closed. That is not an escape moment. But sometimes we find that is the opportunity. So we slip in a few minutes late. We slip out a few minutes early. We never really make that connection with people. And we fail to really become who God's created us to be. In and through this series, I want to challenge you to go beyond just coming to church or attending church and move to the point of reflecting what Jesus modeled for each and every one of us. Now, if you remember in week one, I challenged you that our purpose, our mission as a church is to accomplish and even complete what Jesus began while here on earth. Yes, Do you remember that? I've said that, I believe, almost every single week. Our purpose is to finish, to complete, to further what Jesus did while he was here on earth. Now, this series was supposed to be a five-week-long series. We were supposed to wrap it up today. But as I began to process through this series, I believe that we are supposed to hang out a little longer because there are a few more things that I think that we need to learn. How many of you agree this morning there are some things we can learn? Like this section is pretty heavy on agreeings in that. This one's kind of sporadic. All right. So we're going to continue this series for about eight weeks. We're going to wrap it up in a few more weeks, but I believe that God wants to challenge our hearts. We've taken the time to, to look at the prep work, what is needed um, to lay that foundation of truly being the church. And then over the last two weeks, we talked about love. We looked at the first Corinthians. We looked at the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Do you remember that? Now, but is it enough for us just to talk about love and to miss the action steps? Is that enough? No, I don't believe it's enough just to know about love. I don't believe it's enough just to understand love. I believe that what we are called to do is to allow that to be translated in and through who we are. So today and next week, we're going to look at some action steps of what it takes to really be the church. Or more specifically, I want to talk about this question. How will you engage new people? How will you engage new people? Now, if you're a new person this morning, um, this message is still for you. Because after today, guess what? You're no longer new. So if you're brand new this morning, what I want you to do is kind of put this message right in your mind and then tomorrow bring it to the forefront because you're no longer new at that point. You're an old person like us. Some of you are like, I'm not old, I'm still 21. Whatever. Oh, to be 21 again. How will you engage new people? 
We have discovered the importance of the heart, but it's not enough if we don't have the follow-through. And I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's kind of a lengthy text for what I normally use, but I want you to hear it in its completion. He says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Let me pause for a moment. I want to read that again. We need to let that sink in. Look what he says. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become what? A slave to who? All people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles, and by the way, if you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile, so that would really include us. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share with their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Are we seeing a pattern here? Yes, I try to find common ground. Say common ground. I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Now, now some of you would look at this section of Scripture and you would say, what is Paul doing here? Why is Paul being such a, a chameleon or, or changing his approach to appease the environment around him? Why isn't Paul remaining constant? Well, actually, what Paul is doing is being the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus. He's determined to share the message of Jesus Christ with everyone, to reach all that he possibly can for the kingdom of God. What did he keep saying? I do this so that I can bring them to Christ. I do this so they have an opportunity to know Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So I ask you today, how will you engage new people? Not just here in the church, but throughout your day. Now, Paul was not the first one to take this approach. Jesus himself did this as well. His goal was to, to share the good news, to share this hope with everyone. So I ask you today, are you willing to be all things to all people so that you might reach the lost for the kingdom of God? Have you ever thought about that? Are you willing? Paul says, in and through all of this, I'm free. Because the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. free indeed. He's free through and through. There's not a morsel of his being that is consumed anymore because God has set you free. By what Jesus has done, he set you free. But Paul says, in the midst of my freedom, I'm willing to become a slave. Why? So that others have an opportunity to know Jesus, are you willing to be all things to all people so that you might reach the lost 
for the kingdom of God. There's a word here that I want to look at. It's the word engage. Paul was willing to engage those around him. Jesus was willing to engage those around him. And the word engage, according to Google.com, is to occupy, to attract, or to involve someone's interest or attention. So let me ask this. What is the church individually or corporately? Now remember, we talked about it. We individually are the church, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Individually, we are the church. But corporately, we make up the body of Christ. We make up the church. So what do we, the church, individually or corporately, need to do or even do differently in order to engage the culture around us? Well, some, would, some out here might be saying, well, pastor... As a church, we need to be rock solid. We don't need to do anything different. We need, we need to be who we are and stand for who we are. Well, understand something here. I'm not talking about changing our moral stance. Sin is still sin. No matter how you color it, no matter how you dress it up, no matter what you put on it, sin is still sin. We're not going to give on that. But what I'm asking is, are we willing to change the approach in order to reach those around us? Paul set the example here. He said, even though I'm free, I'm willing to be all things to all people so that I might reach somebody for the kingdom of God. What needs to change? To involve them, to bring them to that place of a life-changing moment with Jesus. You see, if we, the church, if we truly desire to be the church that God designed us to be, then we must make every effort to engage them, every effort to bring them in to the poor, be poor, to those that are struggling, be a part of what they're dealing with, for those that are free, be with the free. You understand what Paul is saying here? No matter where they are, no matter what they go through, I'm willing to join with them. I'm willing to partner with them. I'm willing to love with them through all of this. Now, look what Ephesians chapter 5 says. Ephesians 5, verse 15. So be careful how you live. Think about that. How many of us are careful with how we live? We just kind of get up and do our thing, right? It's Monday, what do you do? You go to work. You get up, you, you go to work. You got lunch break, maybe you have a break in the afternoon. You come home, you maybe work in the yard, you, you eat dinner, you go to bed, maybe you watch a little TV, TV before bed, you go to bed and you get up and do the same thing the next day. But here the Bible says, be careful how you live. In other words, think through this process. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And this is the part I want you to hear. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. How do we know what the Lord wants us to do? We ask Him. Lord, what do you want me to do? Pretty profound, right? Lord, what can I do for you today? Lord, would you give me an opportunity 
for you today. God, would you set up a conversation today? Lord, would you help me to make the most of every step that I take, every breath that I breathe? Lord, would you help me to make the most of every moment because I know the days that I live in are evil. Don't live thoughtlessly, but know what God desires you to do. This morning, for the next few moments, I want to look at four truths regarding engagement. Four truths. Now, this morning, we're going to look at the truths, and then next Sunday, we'll come back, and we're going to look at some actions. How do we implement these truths? Number one, don't allow your freedom to blind you from your purpose. Don't allow your freedom to blind you from your purpose. The word blind literally means the inability to perceive. And I fear that there are Christians out there that have allowed this freedom that they live in to cause a blinder to cover their eyes. They now have an inability to really perceive the purpose that God has set before them. Don't allow your freedom to blind you from your purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Even though, Paul says, I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Now, the word slave, by definition, literally means to give myself wholly or completely to one's needs or services. In other words, I'm willing, Paul says, to give of myself completely all that I am, every morsel of my being, so that I might assist you or help you or aid you or partner with you so that you, in turn, might truly become what God has you to be. See, God has a purpose for each one of our lives. We're going to talk about that purpose in just a moment. In other words, deny yourself for the benefit of someone else. Are we willing to do that? I want you to think about that for a moment. That's, that's a steep order. Are you willing to deny yourself for the benefit of someone else? That's what Jesus demonstrated. To do what needs to be done so that others might come to that place of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I know that I've used this next scripture several times in this series, but I've got to read it to you again because I, I believe that we've got to really let it sink in. Philippians chapter 2. Don't be selfish. Say, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as better than yourself don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too you must have the same attitude that christ jesus had in other words give of yourself willingly surrender yourself for the betterment of somebody else but too often I see people that, that claim to be free. But for one reason or another, they are so bound by all of the junk around them or the obstructions that they've allowed to cloud their mind and cloud their way. 
They ultimately become a slave to the old lifestyle or even a legalistic lifestyle, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But Paul says, if you are free in Christ, live your life as if you are free. Why is it that, that as a Christian we, we revert back to that old lifestyle? Why is it that we put all of these other parameters around this Christian life? When, when Jesus says, if I've set you free, then you're really free. You're not defined by this old lifestyle anymore. You're not defined by this old way of life anymore. This is not who you are. You've been grafted or molded or placed in a new family. If you are free, truly begin to live a life of freedom. Don't allow your life to become a slave to the wrong things. We are called to take up on the nature of Christ, to love beyond ourselves, to reflect the very image of God. In other words, we are called to be the church. That's your purpose. That's, that's my purpose. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people over the many years of ministry, they've walked up and they say, Pastor, I just wish that I knew what my purpose was in life. Have you ever asked that question? What is my purpose in life? Why, why am I even here? Can I give you an overall view of what your purpose is? Now, I don't know the specifics of your purpose, but I know the overall view of your purpose, and your overall view is this. Be the church. That sounds simple, doesn't it? Represent Christ. Share the good news with everyone. Make disciples. Be like Paul and, and do everything you can so that somebody, many people, anyone, will have an opportunity to come to know Jesus. You see, this idea that gathering together, that church is just a weekend endeavor or a weekend gig, it's nothing more than a lie from the devil. Being the church is a, a daily activity. It's a daily choice that each and every one of us must choose to accept or reject. Don't allow your freedom in Christ to cause you to kick back Monday through Saturday and totally miss out on your purpose. Go. Be. Do. These are action steps. These are required actions for a definitive response. Will you choose to accept or reject? Now, I believe that if we were to have a healing service and we were to advertise that we're going to have a healing service on such and such date and, and people came forward and suddenly we had a, someone that was totally blind, they couldn't see at all, suddenly their eyes were open and they could see for the first time. I'm telling you what, that would cause such a commotion and a ruckus all over Facebook, all around the community. People would be talking about that moment, that time. Do you remember when Johnny came forward and he couldn't see at all and suddenly his eyes were open and he could see what an awesome time that was what a miracle that was but can i ask you a question isn't removing spiritual blindness an even greater miracle i would say yes there's a worship song that many churches sang back in the 90s that said open the eyes of my heart lord i want to see you 
Is that the cry of your heart this morning? Lord, help me to see with clarity. Remove the spiritual cataracts from my eyes. Remove the fog that's in my path. Help me to see clearly the path that you would have laid in front of me. Lord, I not only want to see you, but Lord, I want to be so close to you that I reflect you or your glory, that it shines brightly through my life. Lord, I truly want to represent you well. See, our very first truth is we can't allow this freedom to blind us. But allow God to to open up your spiritual eyes so that you can see the opportunities all around you. Maybe it's that person that you get coffee from every day as you're on the way to work and you stop at break time and you get that gas station coffee every morning. You're talking to that same clerk every day. Maybe God is setting up a moment that you can speak into that person's life. Maybe it's that individual that that you see at Walmart once a week when you do your Walmart run. Or maybe you've tried the new the store pickup and they bring it out to your car and you have the same person brings your stuff out every time. And man, really let God speak into your life so that you can be a vessel which he flows through to pour into their lives. Maybe it's that coworker, that family member, that neighbor, that friend, allow God to open up your spiritual eyes so that you can see the opportunities that he's laid before you. Rather than becoming so consumed with everything that is around you that you miss what he places right in front of you. Our second truth is this. Don't allow your freedom to lead you astray. Don't allow your freedom to lead you astray. Did you know that freedom can sometimes lead you astray if you don't keep your mind set up on the right thing? If I was to take, we've got a couple cats at our house. One is psycho, and one could really double for grumpy cat. So that's kind of, that's kind of our two cats. And if I was to open the front door and sit them out front, there's a good chance that that freedom would cause them to go astray. They're used to being inside cats. They're used to being confined to the area around them. But if suddenly I place them in this environment that's brand new and and they don't really understand what's in front of them, soon they'll find themselves out in the woods and I believe we got some coyotes out there or something that would be a bad, bad day. But how often do we allow this freedom that we have to lead us astray and paul says in verse 21 but i do not ignore the law of god i obey the law of christ i cannot say this enough your walk with god is a daily encounter not a a once and done not a spiritual one night stand Yet way too often, that's exactly what's done. Someone comes in, they have a a spiritual moment at the altar, then they go out about their life, and this one-time moment is almost used as an excuse or a get-out-of-jail-free card in their lives. And I've heard this statement way too often. Well, Pastor, that's because we live under grace, and therefore I can do whatever I want to do. I can can do this, and it's okay. I can do that, and it's okay. And, And by the way, don't judge me can i get on a soapbox just for a moment if you have to say don't judge me then you probably already know that what you're doing is something you shouldn't be doing i'm so glad you responded that way 
(sighs) Yes, God offers grace. But that grace is not given so that you or I could do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. That that grace is freely given, and by the grace, the grace is something given to us, not because we deserve it, but because He loves us. That that grace is given to us so that when we do make a mistake, and by the way, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to stumble, you're going to have hiccups in life. Why? Because you're human, and humans do stupid things. So that's why grace is there. Grace is there. So in those moments when we trip, in those moments when we stumble, grace shows up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, Some of you say, we can do whatever we want. But I tell you that not everything may be good or helpful. Let me pause. If there are things happening in your life, things that you're experiencing, things that you're going through, things that you're doing, uh, and you're not really sure if you should do it or not, ask God, God, is this a benefit to me or not? God, God, is this a good path for me to walk down or not? Don't let your freedom lead you astray. We can do whatever we want to do, but I tell you that not everything may be good or helpful We should think about others and not about ourselves. What sort of influence, what sort of impact is what you are doing, what impact is it having on those around you? This verse is here to remind us that that in our freedom with Christ, it does not give us the freedom to do whatever we want. I had one amen from that. In fact, in our freedom, we've been given a great responsibility to do what is pleasing in the eyes of God and to do what we can do to assist those around us in their walk with God. Look what the notes in my Bible had to say. It said the primary concern in a matter of of personal conscience or Christian freedom must be to do with what honors God and what is most beneficial for others in their relationship with God. A Christian's focus should not be on his or her own rights. Did you hear that? A a Christian's focus should not be on his or her own rights, but on what is truly best for others who may follow their example or look to them for an impression of what Jesus is like. Two primary concerns. To do what honors God. See, the things that I do in life, that my first concern must be, does this honor God by by what I'm doing here, by, by what I'm going through in this moment, for what I'm experiencing right now, does this choice that I'm willfully making, does it honor God? If it doesn't, get away from it. Number two, to do what is most beneficial in relation to others' relationship with God. Is what I'm doing, is the choice that I'm making right now, is it going to aid somebody else? Is it going to help somebody else? Because whether you realize it or not, 
There are people in the circle of influence that you're a part of that are watching your every move. If you've told them that you go to church or that you're a Christian, they're watching you. They're trying to figure out how are you going to respond when the boss calls you in the boss's office. When the boss closes that door and they can hear the yelling behind the door, how are you going to respond when you come out? How are you going to respond when the doctor gives you that phone call that you weren't expecting to receive? How are you going to respond when you have that argument? How are you going to respond when your kids are out of control? People are watching you. It's time to, to represent Jesus well. When Paul says, I become all things to all people, he doesn't, say, he doesn't mean that I sin when they're sinning. But he says, I go where they are and I show them the love of God. I let them know that I hear their concerns, I hear their cries. I partner with them. I represent Jesus. It's time for us in Counter Church to truly be the church. Number three, don't allow your freedom to cause you to avoid others. Don't allow your freedom to cause you to avoid others. We're going to explain that in just a moment. First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-two. Yes, Paul says, I tried to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Do you remember what the great commandment was? Love who? God and people. That, that's kind of the simplified version. Love God, love people. This issue of loving God and loving people can become a real issue if we allow our walk with God to become a religious response rather than a relationship encounter. Let me say that again. This idea of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving people as ourselves can become a real issue if our walk with God becomes a religious response rather than a relationship encounter. You see, that's what God wants. He wants a relationship encounter. He's not nearly as concerned about the religious endeavors. But do we have that encounter with him? The result of a religious response is a life of legalism in which no one can truly measure up. I've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. I can't do that or that or that or that or that or that or that. And if I don't do this, then I fail and I've fallen short. Now I feel guilty and I don't know what to do. So I'm not even going to go around. You understand what I'm saying here? No one can really measure up. Therefore, we become guilty of pushing people away because they don't quite measure up. Well, I don't think that person should come to church because I know what they did on Saturday night. Well, what about what you thought about Saturday afternoon? Whatever's in the heart comes out of the mouth. But I fear that the religious circle has become so guilty of just pointing the finger because someone doesn't look the part and we've allowed our, our freedom to gussy us up so nicely that now we point our finger and we shun those that can't quite measure up to who we are or what we represent. 
We make church a country club, a country club of preference rather than a road to recovery. You see, what Jesus is looking for is people that are willing to model after him. He's not looking for perfection because none of us can ever be perfect. He's looking for a people that are hungry, a people that are desiring, a people that are longing to be more like him. And why not step in and and be the church and, and help your Christian brother out? You see that they're struggling, you see that they're hurting, you see that they're going through difficulty. Why not reach down and and pick them up and say, you know what, I know you're tired, I know you're worn out. Let me carry you in this moment. Let me partner with you in this time. What can I do? What can I do to share with you in this time of agony? What can I do to share with you in this time of hurts? And by the way, that's not something that's going to happen instantaneous. You can't just walk up to a stranger and go, man, I know that you're hurting. Come on, what can I do? No, you're going to have to build a relationship with that person. You're going to have to spend time with them. Don't allow your freedom in Christ to cause you to avoid others, to put others to the side. Don't, don't allow your freedom to cage you into this idea of legalism. In the book, Accidental Pharisee, by Larry Osborne, he makes this statement. He said, one thing that makes legalism so dangerous is that it always flows out of the best of intentions. I agree with that. I don't know a single legalistic person that doesn't have good intentions. They want things to be right. Legalists never see themselves as legalists. They see themselves as obedience. I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. I avoid this, I avoid that. That's what the Pharisees did. They were really good at looking the parts, following the rules. They never think of their extra-biblical rules as extra-biblical. In other words, adding to. They consider them a profoundly biblical, the careful application of all the Bible implies. By the way, God doesn't need help implying the Bible. He did a really good job on his, his own. The Bible is here to be our guide and our, our manual, not to be our prison in which to trap us. Let me say that again. The Bible is here to be our guide and our manual. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What do those things do? Those things uh, illuminate the path in front of you. Those things help you see in the midst of darkness. And the darkness is this world. We live in a dark and perverse world. And who is the light? Jesus is the light. And we let that light so shine in us, suddenly we can see. And no longer are we imprisoned by the darkness, but suddenly we can see the path that is in front of us. Therefore, the Bible wasn't set to be a cage to entrap us, to be a light to give us hope. John 8, 36 is that Jesus has set us free. It's time to live in that freedom that he has given us. It's time for us to learn to offer hope, to offer freedom, to help prepare and repair the broken. Number four, don't allow your freedom to slow down your obedience. Don't allow your freedom to slow down your obedience. 
Verse 24 says this, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? Now, I know that I just lost some of you on the word run. Uh, that means to, to go at a quick pace. And I also know that the book of Proverbs says that only a fool runs when no one's chasing them. I, I get that, but in, in this text, let's talk about running because we're all running this race called life. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Let me ask you, how are you running in your Christian race? How are you running? Are you running with purpose? Are you running with obedience? This process, it requires a discipline on each and every one of our parts. We must daily choose to, to push aside the restraints, to, to press on to the high calling of God. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes this, I have fought the good fights. I finished the race. I've remained faithful. You see, you can't finish the race unless you set your eyes for the finish line. So I ask you, are you running with purpose? In this race, are you remaining faithful to the call that Jesus has set before you? Or are you just going through the motions? Every person on earth is running a race. All 7.7 billion people on this earth are running a race. We call it life. Are you running this race to win? or simply exist. You see, it's easy just to go in the motions. It's easy just to exist. And there's a huge difference between running to win and running to exist. Every person runs the race, but a person with a desire to win will discipline themselves. They'll train themselves. They'll run with greater determination. They have goals set in mind. They want to get to this point by this time and that point by that time. They have a plan in front of them. We read it a moment ago. Make the best of every opportunity that you have. Yet on the flip side, that one that simply wants to finish, that's not real eager to better themselves, they're really not going to be determined, are they? They're going to get up and kind of go through the motions. They're going to kind of meander through the day. Why? Because, well, it's just another day. It's a Monday like any other Monday. It's a Tuesday like any other Tuesday. I believe that's not the life that we're called to live. It's theologian Warren Wearsby that once said this, discipline means giving up the good and the better for the best. Discipline is giving up the good or the better for the best. Are you willing to, willing to give up the good? We were, Angie and I were at a conference this week, and the last day, the last session, they were giving out some prizes, and we all like free stuff, right? Oh, come on. 
If I walked up here with a box of stuff to throw out in the crowd, you all would be going crazy. Some of you ladies at the ladies' gala, just to be first in line for dinner, were crazy. You love free stuff. But at this, at this session we were at, uh, we got to the very end, and he was giving out some tickets. We were in Branson. He was giving out tickets to Branson shows, and, and he was saying, the first person that gets up here gets this. And he began naming them. I looked at Angie and said, we were like three rows up, kind of about where you're sitting, Shell. And, and I looked at Angie and said, should I go? She goes, wait and see what else comes. Can I just tell you, it went downhill from there. I mean, that first one was the best. It just went downhill. I wish I would have jumped on that moment. But by the end, I was like, "Uh uh-uh. I don't even want to see that. Uh -uh." But are we willing to give up the good? Are we willing to give up the better in order to receive the best? I believe it's time to fight the good fights. I believe it's time we, the church, finish the race. Remember, we are not fighting the fight or running the race just to get to heaven. But we are to run with purpose. Look what, look what he says. So I run with purpose in every step. Would you read that with me? So I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step. Is that the declaration of your life today? Lord, I'm going to run with purpose. Lord, every step that I take, Lord, every move that I make, Lord, I want it to have purpose in you. Lord, I don't want to go through the motions any longer. Lord, I don't want to meander through life any longer. But God, I want to be who you've called me to be. God, I want to go where you've called me to go. Lord, I want to see what you'd have me to see, Lord. I want every second of my life to count, Lord. I want to be the church. Is that the cry of your hearts? Or are we satisfied with just doing this? Because there are many in this world that are just satisfied doing this or less. But this is the bare minimum of what we're called to do. Jesus said the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. It's not to see how many times on a, in a year you can go to church. This is our refilling station. So are we willing to live this life of freedom the way God's called us to live? Are we willing to be the church.